0: You're listening to Solar Insiders, a fortnightly update on the ins and the outs of the solar industry and what it means for solar owners and industry, with Renew Economy's editor, Giles Parkinson, and leading solar industry veteran, Nigel Morris. Solar Insiders is brought to you by Clenergy, providers of innovative, high-quality solar solutions to the world, Sunwiz, Australia's leading service provider to the solar and storage industry, and Solar Analytics, helping you get more from your solar, more confidence, more savings, and more insights.
1: Hello, and welcome to this latest episode of the Solar Insiders podcast. My name is Giles Parkinson. I'm the editor of Renew Economy, one step off the grid and the EV-focused, the driven. And joining me as usual, although probably somewhat reluctantly on my part, seeing he just sort of panned my newsletter for having, quote, not much in it, unquote, is Nigel Morris from my solar analytics. Nigel, um,
2: sort of welcome. (laughs) Never, never offend your uh, your co-host uh, off air just before you start. Is that the lesson thing? <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't dream of doing that. My goodness me! My goodness no, me. you know, my day's been really busy, and you know, your your daily newsletter, uh, which I read with gusto every single day, uh, I haven't had a chance today, to be honest. So, I was relying on you for all the big news, and I just I haven't had a chance to absorb it all, Charles. But uh, you know,
1: I know it'll be as good as ever. Yeah, not much about solar. I think he said just a story about the world's biggest solar project. But that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> Nigel, did you have a good Anzac Day weekend?
2: I had an absolute cracker, Giles. I had a cracker. I um, if I work my way backwards, I played two up yesterday. I don't gamble. I've got vices, but I, once a year, I have two, I, I put a couple hundred bucks in my pocket and I go and. Shed a tear for uh, for our fallen soldiers in memory uh, and, and you know, blow 200 bucks promptly. Um, and you blew it? Uh, actually, no. Between my wife and I, we developed a strategy. She'd bet heads, I'd bet tails. We kept the bets similar. So if I lost, she won and vice versa. So we just we just kind of got to the end of the day and went, well, we've got the same money we started with and we've drunk a bunch of beer and had a good time. Let's go home. in so, the
1: market. Fantastic.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so that worked really well. Uh I did go to a lovely dawn service up at Avalon, which was uh, very touching actually. So that was good. Uh The day before I had a lovely lunch with my wife in Manly and gorgeous, gorgeous uh, couple of days of weather in Sydney. And the day before that, my buddy bought a live wire. So wow. I spent the whole day, you know, fanging around the mountains. Actually, you know, the downside of two live wires is is people just look at you and go, I can't be surely seeing this. Is this two electric Harley? I didn't even know electric Harley made an electric, let alone the fact that there were two of them, and here you both are. Uh, so, you know, we ran into a pack of bikers at the Barara Waters Ferry and spent the whole ferry trip explaining ourselves to 50 other bikers. Oh, but, really? Um, and how did that go? Oh, they were... fat. Everyone's fascinated, you know. I mean, yeah. same... You know, I need a little QR code on the back of the bike. Here's the answer to all your questions: the range, the speed, the take off, the charge time. Is it great? Yeah, it's fucking great. Come on, uh, it's the same ten questions every time. Um, but yeah, no, it, it was absolutely. It was actually great to ride with another one and 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 hear it and see it and you know from the from behind. Uh, um, or okay, well, this is what I look like.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. really cool, actually. So, all well, you need now is one more, and you'd be a mob. And, and how how how, how many do you need to be a gang? Oh, I, don't, I don't, know. <laughs> don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, for the moment at least it sounds like you need David Leach to go along with you in his um his I- Ionic 5. he can charge you both at the same time over a long lunch. Um so um I put the hard word on him.
2: Yes. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I've set the uh, International Livewire Owners Community a a fire. Uh, with with that image, actually, they were all very interested in what was going on. Is that of course, right? Yeah, especially the US guys, because, of course, they've got a whole lot of other choices of vehicles that yes. can do uh, vehicle to load. So yes. the US guys were really, really interested in it. So, um, yeah, it was
1: it was a little bit of history. Absolutely fantastic. We better shift back to solar um, very quickly. Um. um... What's been happening? There's um, look, there's a few things happening. Um, look, we can't ignore the the largest, um, the world's largest solar project um, going to be happening in the Northern Territory. Now, we've still talked a lot about this in the past. Sun Cable, backed by billionaires Andrew Forrest, no Northern Territory.
2: I was in the north. Trust, nice
1: me. Oh, Trust I me. in the West. Yeah. Oh, my apologies. <laughs> well, there's a, there's a whole bunch of even bigger things possibly in the West, but um, oh. no, some Cable is definitely in the Northern Territory, just north of okay. Tennant Creek at a place called Powell Creek. Oh, um, over towards the border, yep. 20 yep. gigawatts, more 5B Maverick layouts than you could possibly poke a stick at. And um, just imagine 20 gigawatts of solar just basically laid into in, you know, little sort of 5-megawatt, 10-megawatt arrays, um, 42 like, gigawatt-hours like, of battery.
2: That's like roughly 50% of the national generation capacity in one lump. You know, there's typically yeah. about food, isn't it? It's just so <laughs> in, monumental. In <laughs> I love Hold
1: it. On. On a cattle ranch, on a cattle ranch. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, 20 gigawatts. So, um, well, it's probably twice as much, nearly twice as much as the total rooftop PV installations in Australia, which is, what, about 12 gigawatts or something like that. Put them all end to end, and you don't quite get halfway there for the um, sun cable. Anyway, they've come up with their environmental impact statement and look, that's going to go through a long and exhausting process. It'll probably take about a year or something like that. They're probably not even really going to start building this thing until about um, 2024. Hope to start getting close on the financing next year. But um, it was interesting just looking at the whole scale of the project. You know, there's 20 gigawatts in one place. The battery storage, this huge transmission line, which is going to follow the rail corridor up to Darwin, where there's going to be another big battery, massive converter stations there. And at Singapore, 4,200 Four point two, no, four thousand two hundred kilometers of subsea cable, and just the you know huge opportunities for manufacturing using low-cost solar energy in Darwin, which I think is going to be a bit of a no-brainer for for some. Um, so yeah, just um, just fascinating to see um, this thing is still rolling forward, um, and um, and could be the first of money. I mean, there's talk now. Um, you remember the old Desertec? Um, proposals way back about a decade ago came up around about the Copenhagen Climate Conference, the idea that you'd have these massive solar arrays in North yes. Africa um, yes. and some sort of yes. cables going off to Europe and stuff like that. And that sort of died in the ass a bit, partly because of the... Um, um, you know, that um, all the revolutions that are happening in northern Africa and the region was considered to be quite unstable, and so you yeah, know, that with all the co- added complexities and the costs, because these things are incredibly complex, and um, that kind of fell by the wayside. But at least parts of it or similar sort of things are now being restored. So they're talking about this massive uh, solar project in Morocco and maybe one in Algeria with lines going up to UK or other parts of Europe. So it's all coming back. Now. Everyone's starting to see that there's you know huge arrays of low cost solar because you know that that much of solar presumably you're going to get quite a low cost of energy um, as long as you can get all the other little bits together.
2: <laughs> it's, well, it, it's true, and and um, you know the Sun Cable and and these other projects that are coming back to life. I got a call out of the blue from um, a financial uh, company. A company provides financial investment advice. Believe it or not. They said, oh, look, we need someone urgently to speak about, you know, solar and everything else on our podcast. Can you join us? I said, sure, I'll talk to anyone about solar. Um, and we had a big, long, wide-ranging conversation, but it was fascinating because what they talked about, what they'd done is done the numbers on the gas price impacts because of what's going on in Russia and the Ukraine and how that's totally changed everything. Totally changed it. it, Yeah, gas is now the most expensive form of energy uh, in Europe. And um, so the whole conversation uh, an hour long live podcast and video cast, actually. um, And the whole conversation was around, well, look, we can see that large scale solar is the lowest and even large scale solar with storage is cheaper mm-hmm. than gas at 30 bucks, And uh, gas is heading way north of 30 bucks. And, you know, I, I, I chatted to someone the other day who'd just come back from the UK talking about energy being, you know, 60 or 70 cents a kilowatt hour in in the UK now, which is extraordinary. Um, so the dynamics in Europe are really, really changing because of this gas stuff. So, yeah, it's, it is going to change that whole uh, large-scale stuff uh, dramatically.
1: Well, that's they're not going to be taking Russian gas for much longer, and there's no cheap gas to be found anywhere else. So the economics of solar, whatever they cost at that particular scale, and with that amount of cabling and everything like that, um are going to be um going to be looking good. So um pretty interesting. Um Damn and strong. just a couple of other things that happened sort of corporate-wise. Um Quinbrook, which is a um an energy investment company that we don't hear that much about in Australia, they sort of mostly dabbled in sort of gas projects up till now um, um but they actually got this offshoot um just trying to think of the name of it now um in the us anyway but let's look it's a Quinbrook company building a massive it's going to be the biggest battery solar and battery storage in the us it's going to be built in nevada it's called the gemini project 600 and something megawatts of solar 1461 which sounds very precise megawatt hours of battery storage i've just got financing for that, which is about two billion dollars worth. So that's a pretty interesting deal for an Australian company doing big things in the US. And there's been a bit of movement in the home scene as well. Um Elliot Green Partners, which owned the Nevertire, Susan River and Childers Solar Farm, and also bought the Heyman and Daydream Solar Farm a while ago. Um, no, sorry. Elliot Green Partners just sold those three solar farms, Susan River Childers and Nevertire to now, who do they? Um, Igneos, Asteroid Ignios, which is part of what's um, First sentier which is part of Colonial First State Management. So, one of the big Australian funds managers getting quite big in renewables. They've created this new subsidiary called Atmos, which owns those three solar farms, plus the two they bought last year, Dave, Dream, and Hayman. Plus, come some of the wind farms they bought from John Lang, a UK infrastructure investor, Cherry Tree, Kayata, and minority stakes in the Hornsdale project. So they now reckon they're the fourth biggest renewable energy player in Australia as far as the operating assets go. So what a movement. And and just to sort of, Continue this, um, all quite unscripted, as you can probably tell by now. Um, Warsaw, um, which owns a bunch of different solar projects around the place, are also apparently on the block. So there's just been a massive shift in ownerships on some of the solar farms, and that can be expected. You just get the developers who come through. They either sell it really early or they actually build the thing, get the contracts in, and then sell them as a sort of basically like an infrastructure asset with sort of more or less fixed returns with the longer term PPA. And that seems to be the process that's happening now. So an interesting stage, I guess you could call it, in the maturity of the um, of the um, of the solar industry. Although we don't have much insight into the prices they're getting, so we don't know whether these are good deals or who's getting the good part of this bargain, or whether it's just you know just a change of assets because it fits various people's investment profile.
2: Mm, mm. And okay. I did see, I did see, well, that was fascinating. And I did see, speaking of the large scale stuff, that the unions were out and about uh, talking uh, unhappily about um, the state of play in the large scale industry, large scale solar industry as well the other day.
1: Well, that's right. They've made a bit of a fuss up in Queensland um, last year, and there's been a few issues with some of the EPC contractors coming in. Um, there's been issues with subcontractors not getting paid. There's been issues at times with the nature and the treatment of some of the casuals who were brought in. Yes. Um, backpackers, when we used to have those, for instance. So I think the union's are getting in early now in New South Wales. There's a couple of big solar projects being built at the moment. There's obviously going to be a lot more to come with the new renewable energy zones so it seems to me the solar industry is going to have a few things there one just about this issue about who they employ and how and under what conditions and how they treat them Mm -hmm. and the other thing is this sort of ongoing argument about you know whether you're sort of taking you know arable land land if we build too many solar farms and the world will starve um which doesn't sound like a sensible argument but clearly is something that's galvanizing in certain communities Um, I mean, normally solar farms are built on sort of semi-arid land or land that's not quite as good as elsewhere, but maybe in some places, you know, the soil's that good that they're getting built anywhere and farmers are quite happy to hedge their bets against all the sort of different climate and weather changes that might affect their cropping. So um, some interesting discussions and um, things to navigate there, Um, not to mention, geez, I'm on a rift today, Nigel. Um, Yeah. the The old transmission lines. Um, which um are gonna connect all these things and there's just seemed to be a big pushback against some of those projects as well. So um Nish, I think we're gonna have to dive into your little list of contents and menu because I think I've exhausted myself now. <laughs>
2: completely spent well all of these i think a great segue to what's going on next week it's it's like a week away everyone i've spoken to today was in a mad panic and a flurry because smart energy's on next week um i think it is going to be a cracker uh you know everyone's been busting to get out and get to one of these big shows for for ages and um everything's looking like it's going according to plan so far so you know don't miss it it's on the uh and sixth, I should get that right. Um it is uh i'm confused yeah it's the fifth and sixth we're bumping in you know, and starting i think it might be the fourth,
1: fourth and the fifth i think it might be the fourth, and, fourth the fifth.
2: and fifth fourth and the fifth sorry i beg your pardon you're quite right on oh, the, the third way the third web. the third there's a lot of events on in fact i've got uh the supply partners are holding an event in the afternoon where they're going to announce a new some new battery stuff and some vpp stuff to their uh key customers which would be really interesting um solar cutters event is on the tuesday night of course which is a, a must-do networking event um Uh, where hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people get together for lots of back-slapping and, um, you know, socially appropriate hugging. Uh, And then, you know, the conference kicks off on the Wednesday. There's networking drinks on Wednesday night. Uh, and then uh, Thursday there's all sorts of events. I'm chairing a session um, on Thursday talking about shading in solar, which should be good fun. Bunch of good speakers on the MC. So, you know, I don't, uh, I just get to listen to much cleverer people than me. So, yeah, every it's uh if 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 for all the manufacturers and suppliers and people around the fringes of the industry, uh like me, we're all very very busy getting ready for that and trying to make it a good time and a productive time for everyone who's there. So um and of course all the conference streams as well. And there are lo- I was looking through the agenda the other day actually, and there's something for everyone. Uh absolutely, whether it's large scale or storage, there's a bunch of EV stuff that I want to get to because that looks fascinating. So should be a fantastic uh, fantastic week next week.
1: It should be very interesting indeed. It would be fantastic if we had some cloning technology because I need about six of me to go around and sort of cover all these different sort of sessions and sort of see everybody. But um, anyway, it should be, um, should be great. I don't know whether we're, people are going to be colour-coded with I've already had COVID and I don't care or I haven't had it yet and I'm really worried about it or... Uh... <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, something. yeah
1: but, um, or something like that, but um, it could be like the Byron Blues Fest. I mean, we, you know, that managed to sort of uh, knock everybody over, including the opposition leader, so. Um,
2: um, oh, really? Yeah, there that, A few cases God, came is. out of that. I didn't hear about
1: oh, that. God. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I don't think anyone knows anyone who's been to Blues Fest who didn't come out with a case of COVID, so. I do.
2: My wife Where's that went? then? my wife oh, she's already she, had it she's
0: already she's already had oh, it. oh
2: of course yes she has she has so that's why she went she, went, wow, yeah. she nearly didn't go because she was still getting over it in fact it was so close and she went oh bugger it so um, yeah there you go there yeah, you go yeah. anyway yeah
1: um, but, um this could be the first time we've talked about crystal meth on this uh, podcast
2: I know, I know. Well, there's a first uh, first time for everything, right? But I thought this was a fascinating... It's got nothing, nothing to do with Blues Fest either. No, 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 that's right. But apparently Dubai police found uh, a ton of crystal meth hidden inside a shipment of 294 solar panels coming from South America. Uh was a, a handy 500K in cash as well. Uh, Ten suspects arrested. And uh, some quite amazing photos of, um, you know, false... Laminate backings, um, which, um, when they were peeled apart, were you know full of meth, apparently. <laughs> um, so you know, that's novel. I, I hadn't th- hadn't heard of uh, drugs being uh embedded into the back of solar panels yet, or whether there's any performance benefits for the output of the solar panel from crystal meth. But there you go. Uh, they didn't get away with it though, and it was a bit weird because there's only 294 solar panels, but um. Shows the value of crystal meth, I guess. Uh, The other one that was general news that I thought was really interesting was from Milan, uh, Italy, uh, where a dozen people were arrested for stealing batteries off electric scooters. Now, of course... As we've talked about, uh, well, as I mentioned in uh, my 2022 review of electric motorcycles around the world, it scooters are where it's at, right? That's where the big numbers are, particularly in the Asian market and very much so, of course, in the European market where scooters – um, you know, uh, where the Vespa was born and, and you know, that inner city um, low-powered transport is, is so, so critical. Uh, but the thieves are onto it. Um, e-bicycles and scooters are the most affected. Um, interestingly, what they've sort of determined out of this is that, you know, what they have to do, of course, is dismantle the cells to sell them on the black market or recondition them to, you know, sell them to unsuspecting buyers who are looking for a replacement battery. But uh, most of the batteries that are out there have a pretty extensive coding and software interfaces that it means that it's, it's actually not very easy to just pull the battery apart and make it, you know, repurpose it. Um, so it necessitates a highly advanced and well-equipped criminal organisation with the skills and the know-how to get beyond these protective measures, I'm going to say it, a.k.a. the mafia, who they believe might be behind this. Um, so it's a, a new modus operandi for organised crime, stealing... Lithium batteries uh, out of scooters in in Milan. Uh, they um, they uh, they estimate it was quite a lot between 2020 and 2021. 700 battery packs were stolen, um, and one of the uh, one of the big uh, scooter sharing company City Scoot from Milan um, uh, started reporting a very high incidence of battery thefts. They they had 600 missing batteries in total, worth about half a million euros. Um, so, yeah, um, you know, I'd like to see them steal my 100-kilo Livewire battery. I guess that's one upside of owning a Harley Livewire is they're not going to easily walk away with my battery. Is it 100 kilos, your battery? It is a 100 kilos. Bloody hell,
1: that's
2: a big yeah. battery. It is a big Time.
1: battery. It <laughs> is a, it's a
0: bloody
2: big battery. That's why it goes like stink, mate.
1: <laughs> As we ponder this, I think we should take a message from one of our sponsors
0: sunwiz are australia's leading service provider to the solar and storage industry sunwiz now offers a unique business-wide solution for solar retailers differentiate and automate your business with a tailored implementation that builds referrals visit sunwiz.com.au forward slash accelerate and discover how you can boost your profits while working less
1: and of course we'd like to thank all our sponsors who've been um, with this podcast for a Good long time, Solar Analytics, Sunways, and McClenergy. And um, thank you for your ongoing support and looking forward to catching up with you all at the Smart Energy Conference next week. Um, Nigel, tell us what you've just had and what you're about to have on Great Solar Business Podcast.
2: Well, I'm going to jump to the latter first because it's a good plug for Clenergy. Uh, Clenergy, uh, Sean Guzzi, a lovely fellow uh, from Clenergy, was interviewed on another podcast, another solar podcast called Another Solar Podcast, uh, Just Another Solar Podcast, uh, just recently, actually. And um, so next week I'm going to do a live recording uh, at the Smart Energy event with Luke Beattie and Carl Jensen from Just Another Solar Podcast. I was trying to work out what to do at the show, and I went, well, I'll interview them and they can interview me. Uh, so we're going to do a two-way uh, interview and recording there, um, which should be really, really good fun. Mm, uh,
1: terrific! Yeah, and I enjoyed, oh, yes, 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 and I draw the one with Eddie Springer um, up at the Springer's one from Twenty Years in Solar. um um, lots of great feedback
2: yeah lots of great feedback on that one in fact i even got a message from uh from eddie's dad brian who uh who i was dealing with gosh 20 something years ago when uh when we first started out who got to mention the podcast so yeah terrific if you haven't listened to that eddie gave away some really good tips actually it was really really interesting to hear you know how to survive 20 years in solar as a solar business so if you haven't had a listen tune in Mm. to great solar business Ah, terrific. Look forward to that. Mm-hmm. Now, do we have anything else on the menu? Um, there's been a few sort of
1: little, um, the Greens are running around um, talking about sort of um, loans and grants for more battery storage and households and solar. Um, possibly a good idea, um, but um, not likely to get through. unless, of course, we do have a hung parliament, which I guess is becoming increasingly likely. Uh, so we might have some interesting um, policy sort of um mix-ups or make-ups happening happening there but um look not much else is happening out of the election campaign as far as i can see nigel it's all a bit depressing um as we said before um the leader of the opposition got COVID from blues festival well, we think it's Bluesfest anyway he was certainly there um their energy and the climate spokesman chris Bowen, has had COVID and is probably just about to start making appearances this this week and um, the coalition government won't even mention wind and solar in anything that they talk about although they seem to be um, pretty happy to promote whatever clean hydrogen is but seems to be mostly a disguise for carbon capture and storage
2: yeah yeah no i couldn't agree more although you know as we've seen in the past giles even when some of the minor parties or, or, or parties who aren't in power start throwing out Program ideas or subsidy ideas, and we've seen this over and over again, um, you never know what might happen because it stimulates people to go, well, do we need a counter to that? Should we throw a rebate program or two out into the wind and see what happens, which is in fact exactly what happened in New South Wales when we ended up with a 60 cent gross feed-in tariff all those years ago, which was you know, cobbled together at the last minute as a response to an opposition policy that was announced. So, you know, good on the greens. Uh, I had a quick look through their policy, um, today, their policy statements today. And, you know, I'm with you, you know, then they're, they're clearly not going to take power, although, you know, good luck to everyone except, uh, except some we don't like, but good luck to everyone. And, and, you know, uh, I hope that, you know, what they do is, is set the scene for the fact that there are ways to trans, to continue the transition of, uh, of our energy industry and of course there are lots of mums and dads who would like to add more solar and more batteries and um i see the victoria announced uh, enhancements to its rebate program as well an expansion to its rebate program so there are plenty of examples of people out there you know getting mm-hmm. more solar and batteries out there at a rate of knots uh, we just need whoever's in power to do the same
1: well, that's right. Yeah. And there's a cool little story actually from the w- from, from Western Australia about, um, Esperance, um, which is a sort of city right at the bottom of the Southwest interconnected group system, as they call it. And, um, they've actually sort of putting in some standalone systems, sort of solar and batteries and basically sort of kicking gas. Out of the out of the town, which is fantastic. Sort of the gas mm-hmm. network's got, you know, been given a given time to sort of pack up and go home. Um, so that is pretty interesting. And and that's one of the main focuses, too, of the Greens policy, is just basically it's sort of giving people an incentive to get off gas. And we're starting to see that, of course, in some Canberra suburbs, which are not going to have gas reticulating and gas pipelines installed. So um yeah, well, the federal government keeps on talking about a gas-led recovery. Lots of the um, the local and the national and state governments are thinking that's something completely different. But um, there you
2: go. Mm-hmm.
1: What else have we got there, Nigel? I think we might be coming down to an end.
2: Hey. Well, I've got tons of electric motorcycle and battery news. <laughs> Off you go <get> then. <laughs> well, I'll start, I'll start with something interesting on charges that I discovered. Uh, there's a Finnish company called Kempower, and mm. I saw a really, really interesting, um, uh, now I, I don't know Kempower from a bar or so, but what I watched was a really, really interesting video about how they're overcoming some of the problems with charging stations which are one of those subtleties i don't know if most listeners know but the way most typical charge stations are configured the each charger is connected typically to three phase 415 volts ac so they've each individually got an ac connection but the way the transformer that the site is de, is designed is you know, if one charger is using up um, is connected, it says, well, that charge is capable of delivering 300 kilowatts. So there's now 300 kilowatts that's not available for any of the other charges, irrespective of whether that charge is actually delivering it or not. And so it can actually, it can't share the power between the charges intelligently is the simple version. And there's a kind of a crude way that traditionally charge stations are built. What ChemPower have done is a really interesting um, uh, it's a solution to a problem that I didn't even know exist. but essentially what they've done is said, let's take all the DC conversion equipment out of the actual typical charger that you would see at a charge station. Let's put it all over by the transformer in one big box and let's make the DC conversion modular. Let's make it 25 kilowatt blocks. So if you imagine a 500 kilowatt capable um, a charging station there's a transformer from the from the mains connection to this modular box, which does all the DC conversion. And then what it can do is modularly assign in 25 kilowatt blocks, the DC energy required. So if you need, if one vehicle is tapering down, it can take a 25 kilowatt chunk and switch that off because that vehicle doesn't need it and assign it to the next pole. So rather than having DC chargers scattering around, they've just got poles that deliver the energy that look like an old-fashioned fuel uh cable pump thing uh you know with a, a, a cable that's up in the air so it's it's really interesting and i, I see jet charge have an, announced some stuff with them for their portable charges as well and um ken power are actually um rolling out some of these in tasmania i think i heard with chargefox the other day as well so um it's overcoming a problem that allows more vehicles to charge at higher speeds in a more intelligent way and allow it to use up all the capacity that's available from the transformer on the site so i thought that was really cool because i didn't even know that was of course if now that i think about it it's a challenge but i hadn't realized kind of how crude some of the charging stations were so extremely cool that's that. hit the mute button giles that sounds pretty good <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I just I I had to hit the butte button to sort of mop up the last crumbs of my Anzac biscuit, which I made over the weekend. So, oh, um, excellent, it was, excellent. Well, Because it was, I have to actually sort of say this: it was my first ever Anzac biscuits that I made, and everyone said some very, very nice things about them. But oh, no one good. else is eating them, so I'm back to eating them a <laughs> oh, lot myself. So I'm getting pretty fat. So,
2: it's <laughs> a sign. This could be a sign. It could be a sign.
1: I'll bring the extra ones down of the Smart Energy Conference <laughs> if anyone's interested. So. <laughs>
2: Uh, Two other quick things that I won't go on too long, but uh, some wonderful videos being released by Ducati of their new Moto E-bike as well. The Ducati V21L is typically gorgeous. It's just absolutely stunning looking machine. Um, And of course, when they launch ready for 2023 race season, it's got to launch with more power and speed than Energica have achieved over their very successful stint um, running the single bike. Uh, series single manufacturer series um it's it's, the sound is incredible but what i the only thing i have managed to pick up is there are two massive radiators in the front of the bike which is unusual you don't usually see them in an electric bike and even in the energicas so um which were running some very sophisticated cooling systems so it would appear um that um the Ducati v21l is potentially going for Active cooling system on the battery pack, uh, as well as the rest of the electronics and uh, motor system, of course. Um, so that's all I've been able to pick out yet. But do uh, do uh, jump on YouTube and have a look up at the the, uh, the test laps that have been released by some of the early um, prototypes. That's looking really cool. And on the other side of it, uh, interestingly, social media was alive uh, and and firing uh, from Energica owners who've done a great job in Moto E and. Uh, some very, very desirable street bikes. Nearly bought one myself. Uh, but there seems to be a firmware issue, uh, which I'm sure they'll resolve. But it's, it's a really interesting story because it's a lot, causing a lot of pain for owners, it seems. Problem is the firmware seems to be limiting the power output to the motor once the battery gets below eighty percent, which is twenty you know, percent discharge level is not very high. And so, what a lot of owners are reporting is, well, as soon as I get below, you know, as soon as I've used twenty percent, the power available for me to, you know, launch and have a good time and fang through the hills is being limited really severely which is certainly not an issue on my live. I've got full power available down. I haven't gone to 0%, but I've gone down to about 10% with absolutely no difference in the amount of power available to me. Um, And there are also some reports of surging throttle response while on cruise control. So, you know, there's one story from someone saying, well, I set it at 80 80 kilometres an hour and it was surging up to 85 and then back to 80 and then below 80 and then back to 80, which was very disconcerting on a motorbike, of course. So... um, uh, evidently evidently, um, you know, there was a recent firmware update, and they think that that might be the culprit, uh, which is really interesting, because theoretically, that's really easy to overcome, right? You just, you know, do an over-the-air update, solve the problem, do some firmware changes, punch an over-the-air update, of course, uh, through to, to everything. But most of the bikes including energica and harley and even zero or well, zero does have some over the air capability but it, even it's limited but energica you've got to take the bike back to a dealer uh, you have to do the same with harley davidson and i talked about this with a harley dealer with the Harley sales guy when i was uh, with my buddy picking up his new bike on the weekend They said oh yeah harley has this hd hd connect thing a network of connectivity that was going to work across australia with all the modern harleys that have connectivity and my bike actually has a sim card embedded in it so that it's capable of being connected up to this network but it's not operational in australia so what that really talks about is some of the challenges of you know developing a bike shipping it to all sorts of different countries all sorts of different connectivity and uh, uh, uh you know cellular networks and all this kind of stuff and you know we haven't got it right yet so yeah a few challenges out there um with uh with energica but fingers crossed they'll they'll get over it, over it soon and uh, fingers crossed um the connectivity issue and the ability for electric motorbikes to get over the air updates just like so many cars do virtually all cars um will come soon terrific terrific um
1: I can't see what's happening on my screen at the moment. I've done something to my screen, Nigel, so
2: I'm sort of flying blind. I don't know where I am. Uh, well, the, the good news is this <laughs> is a podcast, so as long as we can hear you, it doesn't, we would never know.
1: Well, <laughs> I can't. Like, well, see, I, if I had the mute button on, I wouldn't know where to find it because I've, I've, I've done something to my computer. Done something, And yeah. um, I don't know, but I'm going to have to start crying for help pretty soon. But um, look, in the meantime, Maybe that's I, a wrap, I, then. <laughs> I think, I think we'd call that a wrap. We're going to thank you very much, Nigel. I look forward to catching up with you and um, many, and if not all, our listeners um, at the Smart Energy Conference in Sydney next week. Um, thank you, of course, to our sponsors, uh, Clenergy, Sunways, and Solar Analytics. Do look out for Nigel's Great Solar Business podcast um, recorded live next week um, in Sydney, which should be exciting. And of course, we'll be back in a fortnight with more solar news and. reports about what happened at the smart energy conference bye for now
0: solar insiders was brought to you by clenergy the providers of high quality mounting systems for residential commercial and utility scale solar projects with in-house engineering and projects divisions clenergy provides a unique edge with its expert advice let clenergy find the right framework for any solar application Solar Insiders was also brought to you by SunWiz, Australia's leading service provider for the solar and storage industry. Offering a unique business-wide solution for solar retailers, SunWiz will help you differentiate and automate your business with a tailored implementation. Visit sunwiz.com.au forward slash accelerate and discover how you can boost your profits while working less. Solar Insiders was also brought to you by Solar Analytics. You can now offer Solar Analytics from just $40 per year by connecting it directly to Fronius and SunGrow inverters. No additional hardware is required, just extra value. Solar Analytics, it's different. Learn more at solaranalytics.com.au.